Well, hello, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and thank you for joining us. You're with us this time around. Hope you make a habit of checking in on the Jazz Focus every once in a while to see what we've been up to and the cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history that we're exploring. Today, we're going to be listening to some of the outputs of a band that uh, existed in the mid to late 50s. The dates are a little bit uh, questionable here. This is a band that never recorded commercially, or at least uh, in the form that we're going to be listening to. And uh, they had numerous live dates, maybe in Chicago, but definitely in San Francisco and uh, out on the West Coast. And they were pretty well documented from live recordings. And the band stayed quite consistent for a couple of years. And it was known by a couple of different uh, titles. I believe officially it was led by Earl Father Hines great pianist from Pennsylvania. Uh, occasionally, the band is called Earl Hines and his band featuring Muggsy Spanier, or Muggsy Spanier's All-Stars with Earl Hines, or something like that. But I believe, officially, it was the Earl Hines band with Muggsy Spanier. And the band, in this case, is, of course, Muggsy Spanier on cornet. Great Chicago cornet player. was born in 1901 near Chicago. He came up in the 1910s and 20s listening to the music of King Oliver. He loved Louis Armstrong and copied several of his solos on different recordings, but he was really a King Oliver man, and uh, his use of mutes showed that quite dramatically. He recorded frequently in the 20s, uh, joined the uh, Ted Lewis band in the uh, late 1920s into the 30s, toured with him. He had a, a life-threatening illness that ended up uh, in New Orleans almost uh, doing him in, but he received some excellent care uh, and uh, came back in the late 30s to put together the Ragtime Band, Muggsy Spanier and his Ragtimers, and it was called uh, The Great Sixteen the sides that he recorded for Bluebird Records, and those are generally considered one of the great uh, building blocks of the traditional jazz repertoire. And after that, he had his own big band for a little while. He played with Bob Crosby's big band, but by the mid-40s, he was recording uh, for Commodore Records and pretty much touring with a six- or seven-piece uh, Dixieland ensemble for the rest of his life. He lived into the, about 1965. Earl Hines was on piano, a great African-American piano stylist, was born in... 1903 in Duquesne, Pennsylvania, and uh, he played with a number of uh, Pittsburgh area bands before ending up in Chicago in the early 1920s, where he uh, started making recordings with a variety of bands. Uh, ended up with uh, Carol Dickerson's orchestra, where he was playing with Louis Armstrong, and uh, of course made those great hot five sides, the later hot five sides, uh, with Louis, including uh, the duo version of Weatherbird Rag. Shortly thereafter, he put together a big band that uh, was active in Chicago from the late 1920s uh, and at the Grand Terrace in the 30s, all the way up until until the mid-40s and the end of the big band era. He had uh, some very uh, interesting big bands that featured bebop players like Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Wardell Gray, so on and so forth, uh, in the 1940s. But his uh, last band basically bankrupted him. He bought a club, which didn't do very well. And so from the late 1940s on, he pretty much toured with small groups and as a soloist. By the mid-1950s, he had gone back to his roots, I guess you'd have to say, as a Dixieland, New Orleans-style pianist, and most uh, people felt that that was kind of a, a step back for him. He was always considered a very modern-sounding player, but economics dictated, and Dixieland was a popular music in the mid to late 50s. And uh, this band was, as I said, uh, a very popular one on the West Coast especially, but also in Chicago. Had mostly Chicago-based musicians, and uh, Hines kept it together for seven or eight years. He did make one studio recording for Riverside in the 1960s, but uh, that that was after Muggsy Spaniard had left. Uh, 
Also in the band, we have Jimmy Archie, a very fine African-American trombone player who came up as a big band player in the 1930s. He played with Louis Russell's band, Benny Carter's, and uh, several others as well. And he, by his own admission, didn't know how to play Dixieland trombone until he was hired to play on Rudy Blush's program, This Is Jazz, in the late 1940s, about 1947 or so. And he had to learn the repertoire. He learned it very well because he spent basically the rest of his career playing that type of music. The clarinet player was Darnell Howard, who was uh, a Chicago player. He was actually a violinist in his early days. He was born in the 1890s. He was the second oldest player in the band, even though uh, in some interviews he shaved about a decade off his uh, age later on. He had played, as I said, with W.C. Handy's band in the 1910s. Uh, in the 1920s, he was with King Oliver uh, and many other Chicago bands. He actually traveled quite extensively to Asia. I think he was in Shanghai, he was in Europe, uh, and then ended up back playing with the Earl Hines Big Band in the 1930s. And then after leaving music for a little while, he came back and played traditional jazz clarinet uh, for the rest of his life. He had played clarinet and saxophone starting in the early 1920s and occasionally played violin as well. On bass, we have the oldest member of the band, born in New Orleans in 1892, was George Pops Foster, who was a pretty remarkable musician. He uh, played with uh, all kinds of bands in New Orleans. He ended up in New York playing bass and occasionally tuba with the Louis Russell Band in the late 1920s. Stayed with Louis Russell even after Louis Armstrong took over the band, all through the 1930s, and then started playing uh, as part of the New Orleans Jazz Revival, playing with people like Bunk Johnson, Sidney Bechet, and uh, many, many others in the 1940s, and he lived into well into the 1960s. He was uh, up in his 70s. He was uh, quite a senior jazz musician by that time. The youngest member of the band, born in 1920, was Earl Watkins, who was uh, a drummer who had a very long career. He lived into the 2000s. He played in a lot of different contexts, not just traditional jazz, but swing, rhythm, and blues, and what have you. Sometimes he has been confused with a New Orleans drummer named Joe Watkins, but they are not the same person. So that is the band for you, and we're going to hear a selection uh, of tunes that they recorded live in various places. And as I said, it's a little murky as to when and even where some of these were, but uh, you can certainly say that the music was very, very good. So we're going to start out with a Chicago tune called the Wang Wang Blues, a nice up-tempo romp that, uh, according to the CD, was recorded in Chicago in 1954, but I don't believe this band was even together until about 1956, so clearly that's a mistake. But this is the Wang Wang Blues from um, that, uh, that period, and I should mention all of these recordings are live. Following that, we're going to go to Mood Indigo, a very unusual performance of a Duke Ellington tune, probably from about the same, uh, same period. Then to the Savoy Blues, the King, uh, or rather the Kid Ori tune. And then we're going to end up with the Saints Go Marching In, which had not quite ascended to or descended to the level of, of cliche, as most Dixieland bands would have said uh, a little bit later. In the late 1950s, this was a, a tune that was not any more overplayed than any other tune, but uh, that would change. You can tell that these musicians are having a good time playing in this group, and they have uh, backgrounds and intervening figures and, and things like that clearly worked out. So this was a band that was a very polished professional unit. Uh, these were all professionals of long standing and uh, they clearly took their job very seriously. So this is the Earl Hines Band featuring Muggsy Spanier, the Wang Wang Blues, Mood Indigo, Savoy Blues, and When the Saints Go Marching In.
I said, these recordings were done live, and for whatever reason, when they were issued on LP, I think in the 60s or 70s, uh, they had extra applause dubbed in that doesn't sound anything like a, a, a club date. So these were apparently recorded, at least some of them, at the Crescendo Club in San Francisco in 1956. Uh, March, I believe, was when some of them were. Again, we don't know when all of them were recorded, but right around that point. And it was a jazz club, so hearing uh, thunderous applause from 1,000 or 1,500 people probably was dubbed in later. Anyway, we heard on this set uh, four tunes by the Earl Hines Band featuring Bugsy Spanier. We heard the Wang Wang Blues, a nice up-tempo romp. Not a blues at all, but one of those 1920s tunes that capitalized on the blues craze. Uh, a really outstanding clarinet solo, I think, by Darnell Howard. He was a, a, a superior technician. He had studied briefly clarinet with uh, Lorenzo Tio when uh, that New Orleans player was in Chicago in about 1918 or 1919, and uh, Howard recalled he only took a lesson or two, although who knows what might have happened. Uh, he was already quite an accomplished violinist by that point, so he knew music and so forth, and somehow he managed to transfer his skills to clarinet. He got a very unusual sound on clarinet, kind of a strangled sound sometimes, but uh, he had tremendous facility. Um, clearly he was a, a fan of the approach of Jimmy Noon, even if it wasn't directly from Jimmy Noon. He had a lot of that type of style, very fleet finger motions and uh, a very uh, high level of comfort in the upper register as well, which maybe came from his violin background. Following the Wang Wang Blues, which also started out with an Earl Hines piano solo. On some of the Dixieland numbers, uh, Hines chose not to solo. He just let the horn players do their part, and then off he went, and he would do some features. But on some of the ones that I picked, you're going to hear some very, very good piano playing. Of course, he had been with the Louis Armstrong All-Stars before this, starting in the late 1940s and going into the early 50s, uh, where he had kind of come back to this repertoire. And then he left that band and briefly uh, tried a more modern type of group, which didn't work out too well and he went back to this group. So following Wang Wang Blues, we heard the Duke Ellington composition, Mood Indigo, which was very atmospheric and had a lovely Muggsy Spanier solo in the middle of it, just a, a melody solo. And one of the reasons that I think that this was probably an Earl Hines band rather than a Muggsy Spanier band is that Spanier was given solos on just about every number in addition to playing the lead. And when he led his own bands and made recordings, he very seldom took solos outside of the melody uh, statement at the beginning and the end. And on in this band, anyway, the recordings that we have with us, he played solos on virtually every number, sometimes multiple choruses. Then we went to the Savoy Blues by Kid Ori, and this was, of course, recorded by Louis Armstrong's Hot Five, the first version of that group that did not include Earl Hines. That was a seminal recording that these musicians obviously knew. Muggsy Spanier, as I said, knew his Louis Armstrong solos very well, but it was actually Darnell Howard and his second improvised chorus who quoted the Louis Armstrong solo from that original recording. Then we finished up with When the Saints Go Marching In, featuring solos all around, including a bass solo by Pops Foster and a drum tag and some good drum fills by Earl Watkins. This was, a, as I said, a very professional band. They knew what they were doing, they showed up and did their jobs and uh, gave the people what they wanted and at a very high level of musicianship. And I might also point out that uh, unusually for jazz bands of this ilk, uh, they did not have the same order of solos on every tune, which can get kind of wearing after a while if you're a listener. Uh, they mixed it up, and sometimes Earl Hines took the first solo, sometimes Darnell Howard, sometimes somebody else, and that uh, keeps things quite fresh when you're listening to them over and over. 
One other thing that this band did that also, of course, Louis Armstrong's All-Stars did is that it would feature its individual members on uh, tunes over the course of an evening or a show. That gave everybody else a rest and uh, allowed them to step forward. So we're going to hear four tunes now that feature four members of the band. We're going to hear, first of all, Jimmy Archie playing a, uh, an extended solo version of Bill Bailey, Won't You Please Come Home, which was another one of those tunes that became an overplayed standard, but was not at this point. That tune goes back to the minstrel era in the 1890s, and uh, Jimmy Archie had been part of some of those tent show bands probably in his youth. After that, we're going to hear Muggsy doing not a Louie solo, but uh, maybe a little bit of a tribute to Big Spiderback on I'm Coming Virginia, playing uh, very tenderly and very muted as well. After that, a kind of an up-tempo dance number featuring Darnell Howard on clarinet, Cole Porter's I Love You. And then we're going to finish up with Pops Blues, a blues that features the solid thwacking beat of Pops Foster. He was known as one of the most propulsive bass players, not repulsive, propulsive bass players in New Orleans jazz. He had a solid beat and uh, he could really drive a, a, a band. If you listen to those Louis Russell recordings from about 1929 or 30, you can hear how his playing could really generate a tremendous amount of swing in an 11-piece band. So now let's go to those features. These are the features for the individual members of the Earl Hines Band. Jimmy Archie on Bill Bailey, Muggsy Spanier and I'm a Coming Virginia, Darnell Howard on I Love You, and Pops Foster on Pops Blues. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was a good indication of how Earl Hines featured his musicians. All of those tunes featured solos by other musicians, but were primarily features for one individual. He started out with Bill Bailey, Won't You Please Come Home, which started with a clarion call and melody uh, statement by trombonist Jimmy Archie and ended up with a fairly long solo of his as well. But there were some fine other solos, especially by Darnell Howard in there on clarinet. Very, very good player there. Then we went to kind of an arrangement of the... Um, uh, tune associated with Bix Beiderbeck. It was actually composed by the African-American composer Will Marion Cook. I'm coming Virginia. And here it was a very laid-back, almost ballad-like performance with the lead played beautifully by Muggsy Spanier and then uh, a duet between him and Earl Hines on the verse with Muggsy playing the verse giving his bluesy best there. Um, really pretty performance. After that, a nice dance arrangement, wasn't an arrangement, a nice dance version of Cole Porter's tune, I Love You, featuring Darnell Howard on clarinet. And then, Pops Blues, a long feature for Pops Foster on bass at the beginning and end, along with the other musicians as well. So this is the Earl Hines Band featuring Muggsy Spanier. As I said, these were probably from the uh, late winter of 1956 in San Francisco, but they may have been over the course of a year or two. Uh, when Muggsy left not uh, too long after this, in about 1958, I think it was, he was replaced by another uh, Chicago trumpet player, Marty Marsala, the brother of Joe Marsala, who's probably a little better known. And then eventually he was replaced by Eddie Smith, another trumpet player, a white trumpet player who wasn't terribly well known except for his association with this band. And that was the group that made the Riverside album uh, in the Jazz Legends series in about 1963. So we're going to hear one more set of the Earl Hines band, and we're going to start out with a feature for Earl Hines. And this is a tune that he composed uh, back in the early 1930s and had something of a hit uh, with his own big band. This was Rosetta. And so we'll hear him play it in a couple of different tempos and then be joined by the band as time went on. Then we're going to hear from another piano player. Actually, uh, piano player did not write this tune, Caravan. It was made famous by Duke Ellington's band, but was composed by his valve trombone player, Juan Tizal. And a nice little swing arrangement of this. You can imagine this was a big hit on dance dates. Then another piano player's tune, James P. Johnson. We're going to hear Earl Hines give his version of If I Could Be With You One Hour Tonight, which features some especially tasty Muggsy Spanier playing. And then we'll finish off with a Chicago jazz standard celebrating one of the uh, great venues for jazz in the 1920s, the Royal Garden Blues. So this is the Earl Hines Band featuring Muggsy Spanier, Rosetta, Caravan, If I Could Be With You, and the Royal Garden Blues. So we have a request for it. Foster on bass or Watkins on drums, and our little old composition called Rosetta. <laughs>
Charles, if I could be with you one hour tonight.
Garden Blue. have the Earl Hines band featuring Muggsy Spanier. A uh, very effective little jazz band. One hates to call it just a Dixieland or a traditional jazz band because their experience was so much beyond that and they certainly had interesting arrangements that were more in the swing style, but uh, this band was uh, quite 
active during the late 1950s and uh, with some personnel changes as we saw lasted until the early 60s and then Earl Hines had a kind of a renaissance in his career he went out as a solo artist and he started being recognized as one of the greatest jazz pianists of all time and uh, uh, indeed he was and you can hear quite a bit of fine piano playing on these recordings although the repertoire probably didn't challenge him the way that uh, some of the other things he did what might have but again professional turned into an exceptional uh, exceptionally good professional quality performance and the band was never less than than excellent so we started out with the Earl Hines feature on his own tune Rosetta which featured the band and a couple of tempo changes in there then a very interesting arranged version of Caravan a head arrangement but clearly one that the band played quite regularly would have been a big hit on dances I'm sure then a very reflective version of James P Johnson's tune if I could be with you on uh, one hour tonight featuring Muggsy Spanier who had recorded that tune several times before with Sidney Bechet and several others as well and then we ended up with a nice Dixieland romp on the Royal Garden Blues which allowed all the musicians to stretch out on multiple choruses and again these were all live recordings so they weren't watching the clock um, the average of these performances probably goes about four, four and a half minutes, and several of the ones I didn't pick went seven, eight, even nine minutes on a couple of uh, occasions where they did medleys or just kept stretching out and kept playing. If the dancers were dancing or people were into it, they just kept right on playing. So we hope you've enjoyed this program. My name is John Clark. This is the Jazz Focus, and we were listening to Earl Hines and his band featuring Muggsy Spanier. If you like what we're doing here and the variety of jazz we've been presenting here on the Jazz Focus, please consider sponsoring us. We have a sponsorship button somewhere on your browser uh, for a monthly sponsorship or a one-time gift and whatever. We'd like to have you as a member of the family even take uh, suggestions on future shows. I've already filled several of those from, from listener comments. Uh, we do have a inter internet presence. You can always find me on Facebook under the name of my band, Wolverine Jazz Band. Uh, also, WolverineJazzBand.net and uh, have an Instagram page as well. So feel free to take a look and get in contact and I'll see you on the other side.